Father, thank you that you bless Kieran as he preaches tonight. I pray that he will be anointed to share your word. I pray that you will be with him and help him, Lord, to just encourage us more and more. And we open ourselves and our spiritual ears to hear what you have to say to us through Kieran. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Those Father's Day's gifts look nice. They uh, little car charges, but it doesn't come with a wire. The church is very clever. Next year's Father's Day, they're going to give you the wire. <laughs> so you need to come back for the second part of your gift. It's just part of our retention strategy. Um, if you have a Bible, could you turn to Mark chapter 9 from verse 14? We're going to read through a portion of Scripture. It will also come up on the screen, and obviously you can also follow on your phone. The Bible says in Mark 9 verse 14, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. I wonder if Jesus still has that effect on us today. If you came into the presence of Jesus tonight, were you overwhelmed with wonder or was church just another event on the calendar? I think I'd like to be overwhelmed again by the presence of Jesus. And he asked them, verse 16, what are you arguing with them about? A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Verse 19, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now I know that God never feels this way about us. It's just the first century disciples, isn't it? Then Jesus takes action. Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. See, now, whatever is intimidating you in your life today is far more intimidated by the presence of Jesus. That's why it's a good thing that you came to church tonight, because whatever is intimidating you is no match for him. And so he fell to the ground, and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. The scripture doesn't give us the father's name. It doesn't give us the boy's name. It just lets us know that everything is possible for anyone who believes. It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what your background is. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he says, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. 
This is our scripture tonight. It's a great story, but if you don't mind, I'd like to pray again. Lord, we want to pray that this word, this powerful word, this, this story, which has so much significance for our lives, that we would be able to believe it and apply it to our lives. Lord, we know you said that anything is possible for those that believe, and we want to claim that tonight. We want to understand that, and we want to apply that to our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message tonight is The Hero Dad. It's fitting because it's Father's Day, and we want to look at the story of this father who brought his son to Jesus. And uh, as we don't have the name of that father, we're just calling him the Euro Dad. But as you'll see shortly that, like most Bible stories, the Euro in the end actually turns out to be Jesus or God. And uh, we can learn something, though, about this dad who tries to help his son. But really, the hero of the story is Jesus. But the dad is a hero in his own right. And just some context on the scripture that we just read. It's in the Gospel of Mark. And Mark is such an interesting gospel. This kind of account that you read the whole of Mark chapter 9, we just read from verse 14, is actually found in three other Gospels. And Mark is known for being an action-oriented Gospel. As you read Mark, it goes from event to event, and Mark doesn't really uh, spend time getting into details, yet uh, he pauses at the event that happened just before, and he goes into quite a bit of detail. It's the story of the transfiguration. It's when Jesus goes up onto the mountain, and uh, some three of his disciples are there with him. And actually, if you read into some of the context, it's quite interesting because he's actually mirroring an event that happened with Moses. When Moses went up onto the mountain, three named people went up with him, along with the 70 elders, and he was in the presence of God. And uh, the story of the transfiguration is a bit of a type. It's a bit of a comparison as Jesus does this. This happened in Mark chapter 9. So Jesus has just been on the mountain with his father and had this incredibly significant moment in his life. You know when things are going well and you can experience the presence of God when you're feeling close to God, or maybe you had a great time in church tonight and you feel close to God, but you know that you can't stay on the mountain forever, you're going to have to go down into the valley at some point, isn't it? So Jesus just had one of those moments. He just got high on the Holy Spirit, close to God, amazing time probably one of the most significant times in his life, but he has now just come off the mountain. And that's the context of this scripture. And he's coming down the mountain into the valley, and there's a huge problem that's going on. He took three of his disciples up with him. Nine he left down in the valley, and they kind of messed things up while he was gone. Just uh, a few chapters earlier in Mark chapter 6, they were casting out demons, they were on fire, everything was going well. So you probably thought, it's okay, I can go up to the mountain for a a holiday with Peter and them, and everything will be fine, but lo and behold, it's like when you come back from work after leave and all those emails are waiting for you, it's a mess, and you wonder, why did I leave in the first place? So Jesus was up on the mountain, and he's coming down into the valley, and the valley is a mess, and when I come back from leave, I must say, I want to just put in an extra day's leave, I'm intimidated by the situation, I'm intimidated by the mess that is going on down in the valley. But Jesus is not intimidated by the mess. He comes down from the valley, and uh, he's not scared of the messy situation that he's going to face. He's not scared of the messy people, and he's not intimidated by the situation. He walks right into it. And in verse 17, we 
see this desperate father. He is the man in the crowd who says, Teacher, I have brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Now, to try and humanize this or understand, you know, it's words on a page for us, but imagine a father now who has had a son. Later on in that scripture, it says that he has had this problem since he was a child. This is an ongoing situation in their lives. It's a problem that won't go away. Very difficult to have a sick child in the home. And probably if you look into the first century, you know, Jesus wasn't the first healer to come by or the first prophet. In fact, that father had probably brought his son to healers before or people, men of God, who had professed to have power, yet the son was still in the same situation. So you get a picture of a desperate father coming who has tried. It's not the first time that he's tried this. If the son has been sick his whole life, then you would imagine that the father has done everything that he can to help his son. But here he is in maybe a last-ditch effort or just pure desperation coming to Jesus and requesting for help for his son. It's also quite interesting because this is the first century and, you know, the women spent much more time with the children. In fact, to have a father and their son together in this situation is especially unusual. Normally the dad would be out, you know, playing golf or something like that. And the mom would be alone, you know. And in most kind of situations, you think the father would have given up on the child. In, in, in that culture, it would, you'd be ashamed to have a child who was so sick or ill. They thought that they'd done something wrong. They thought that there was some sin or something involved. And so he has a sick son who's demon-possessed, very difficult family situation his whole life. But there's something special about this father, the fact that he's still trying to help his son. This is a love that only a parent can have. It's a desperation. It's the love that only a parent can have for a child. And he brings his son to Jesus, probably not the first time he's tried to help him, but he comes in desperation. And he says, teacher, I've brought you my son. He is possessed. And um, one of the things some commentators say that, that is very interesting is, as the man says to Jesus, I have brought you my son, he's actually incorrect. Because up until that point, he hadn't actually brought his son to Jesus. He's brought his son to Jesus' disciples. And so I wonder in our lives if there's some things that you think you've brought to Jesus, but you haven't actually. You've brought it to church, you've brought it to a friend, but you haven't actually brought it to Jesus. And so this man says he's brought it to Jesus. He thinks he's brought it to Jesus, but he's actually incorrect. He brought it to the disciples. And uh, they weren't actually able to help him. Yet there's something different now because this situation is different. He's actually brought his son to Jesus. And verse 18, he explains the situation, the very difficult situation that him and his son are going through. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Now, if you're tonight, here tonight, <clears throat> you might never have been possessed by an evil spirit. You've never been seized by a spirit, so to speak. But maybe you've been seized by something else. I wonder if you feel like the enemy has robbed you of something. This poor boy, his whole life has been seized by the Spirit or captured. And 
it says that the spirit took away his ability to speak. And so sometimes, you know, the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there's situations in our life that affect our calling, that rob us of our gifts, that affect us in such a way that it feels like we can't move forward, like our purpose is under attack. And this boy was in this situation. And so I wonder if there's situations in your life. I kind of imagine the other picture you have of this boy is every now and then, it felt like things were getting better because the Spirit wasn't affecting him every moment of every day. He could kind of walk around, but then he would have these seizures that would affect him. And it's almost like the situations in our life, it feels like you just get your head up and you start moving forward and then something seizes you. Whether it's a, a memory that you can't let go of or it's that bitterness or that unforgiveness that comes up and you're trying to move in a certain direction and it seizes you. I wonder what he's busy seizing you tonight. Is there a situation in your life that you cannot escape like this boy that just keeps coming up and every time you feel like you can just move forward one step or you just get in your head above water, you're just starting to get hope and then it seizes you again, makes you blind, makes you mute. It's wonderful that Jesus doesn't play the blame game here he doesn't go, what have you done wrong to the father? doesn't look for sin in the boy's life. He just says, bring the boy to me. See, Jesus is not intimidated by our situations, no matter how messy they are, no matter how difficult they are. You might be here tonight and you feel like your situation is so big that nothing can be done about it. But Jesus is bigger than your situation. And he's not scared. You see, he's come down from the mountain He's been in the presence of the Lord, but he's come into the valley, into the messiness, into our situation. Right before he was in the mountain, but his compassion drove him to come down into the valley, into our valley, into your valley. And it might seem like a huge situation in your life, but Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And so the father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity and help us. You see, the father had faith, but in his situation, this thing had been so long. This is not a year, two years. This was probably about nine or ten years that he had been sitting with a sick son. And so he had faith, but it's the faith of desperation. Have you ever been in that situation, or are you in a situation now where you are desperate, where you are begging for scraps, where as you come to Jesus, you say, can you do anything? Because anything will do. We can find ourselves in a situation like that where we're crying out to God for relief from this difficult situation that we're in. And if we're not crying out to God, we're crying out to something. Anything to numb the pain or to find temporary relief. Sometimes we look to things that will make us forget our situation, like sex and drugs, but sometimes not as overt like than that. It's subtle. We are desperate for anything to make us forget the situation that we are in. But anything is a pitiful place to be where we're in such a desperate state. It's a real state. But it's not what Jesus actually has in mind for us. In verse 23, it says, Jesus' response was, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Then the father cried out, I believe. Help me overcome my 
unbelief. So Jesus commanded the spirit out, and the boy was healed. You see, this father, he had a situation. Maybe his situation is not like your situation, but his situation was that he desperately wanted his son to be healed. But Jesus was more interested in healing the father's unbelief. Sometimes before God gives us what we want, he wants to give us what we really need. You see, the father had been sitting in this situation for so long, this unnamed father, the hero of the story, who's desperately trying to help his son, that, that he, he had become laser-focused on something in his life. All his distress, all his pain had been focused on this particular situation, that in a sense it was an excuse to forget everything else in his life. And the father also had a problem. He was part of the unbelieving generation. The particular problem he had was he had unbelief. You could have a different problem, such as pride or bitterness or a lack of forgiveness. But this father had a lack of belief in his life. And his son was also sick. And these are two very real problems. I know in my life sometimes when situations get bad, it makes me laser focused where all I can do is think about the situation and everything else goes out the door and I start getting desperate and I think, if I can just solve this, if I can just get out of this, then everything will be okay. And my prayer life goes that way as well. As I talk to Jesus, my prayers take on a desperate tone. Lord, if you can just help me out of this, Lord, if you can just help me through this, if I can just make it to the end of this week, if you can just give me breakthrough in this area. These are prayers that we bring to the Lord. Have anyone ever prayed a prayer like this? Or is no one here going through a situation? Or do we have some desperate people in this house? I think we do. <laughs> you see, Jesus wants to help us. He is the God of our situations. But he's also got something else in mind. He seems quite interested in peeling back a layer and here's a very serious situation with a sick boy, yet Jesus doesn't immediately heal the boy, even though he can. He says, if I can, of course he can. Yet he points to something deeper. Jesus goes beyond the surface situation and he looks into something beyond. And it seems like his agenda is a little bit different to perhaps what our agenda would be. So it wasn't when the father brought his son to Jesus that Jesus healed the boy. It was when the father brought his unbelief to Jesus. And sometimes the things that you think you need are not the things you need the most. Sometimes the thing you are praying for God to fix is not the thing that he will do first. Sometimes he wants to do something else. So the father speaks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, please heal my son. And Jesus does nothing. And then he says, help my unbelief. And then Jesus heals his son. It's very interesting. Sometimes we're so focused on what we want God to do for us that we miss what he first must do in us. Jesus seemed to think that the problem, part of the problem or the bigger problem was there was an issue in the father's heart. This was a situation he wanted to help, but he first, before healing the boy, he wanted to change something in the father's heart. 
And so we can stay on the surface in our relationship with the Lord. We can stay in a place of desperation. Or we can see what the Lord is doing in the scripture as he interacts with this desperate father. The Lord himself is not satisfied to leave him at a surface place. Jesus wants to help and heal this boy. He cares deeply about the situation, but he cares even more about something. He cares even more about the state of this father's heart. And so he peels back the layer, and you can kind of imagine that there's a conversation. Maybe that's not in the text, but maybe Jesus and the man were wrestling through this, and he says, you know, I'm here today, my son, and I'm with you, and I want to heal you, and I want to help you out of this situation, but won't you let me do this little thing first, just this tiny little thing? I want to heal you. I want to help you, but I also want to change you. I want to do something. Maybe tonight God is asking for permission to change your heart. He so hears your desperate cry for this difficult situation that is out of your control, but he wants to do more than just take you out of the situation. He's in the business of fixing our hearts, not just the situations that we're in. So the year of dad in the story teaches us and he shows us this beautiful picture of what can happen if we bring not only our situation, but our very heart to God to be changed. And so we have some space tonight and we've left this message intentionally short as we've gone through the scripture because it's a time tonight to reorient our and so I just want to invite the worship team back up. And it's just a time to respond to the Lord. What we can learn from this father and his son on Father's Day, this dad who was so desperate, he came to Jesus. He took the first step and he brought his situation to Jesus, not to anyone else. You know, I think of all the times in my life where I have been talking to people about problems that I've in or talked about praying, but never actually prayed about it. Have you ever realized that sometimes where you, you talk about a problem so long and you realize, I've actually never talked to the Lord about this. As I was studying the scripture, I realized there were some things in my life that I needed to take to Jesus. And perhaps tonight there's a situation in your life that you realize the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, this situation you actually need to bring to Him because He wants to actually do something about it. So that's our first step tonight. If you want to respond in that way, there's going to be time in this worship to just respond and give a situation that you have to Jesus. But it would be a huge loss if we miss the next part of that scripture where Jesus comes down and he says, bring the situation to me, bring the boy to me. Then he wants to have a conversation. And the conversation takes it a little bit deeper. You see, Jesus is not satisfied just helping you in your situation. He also wants your heart. And here's the very difficult thing. Some situations are easy to fix. You know, the Lord can snap his finger and he is powerful enough. You know, he says all things are possible for those that believe. You know, it's easier to, for God to change an outward situation than it is to change a human's heart. You know, he can give you everything that your heart desires and your heart can still be broken. And so I wonder why he wouldn't give you everything your heart desires. Maybe he sees something bigger and maybe he wants something better for you. And so it's not that he doesn't care about your situation. He wants to help you resolve it. 
but he also wants to fix your heart. We can cry out to God tonight and there's, it's, there's going to be a chance and it's real. You know, I can think of situations if I, if I think that people are in. Now in this time of worship that we do afterwards, just to, there'll be a chance to maybe just come to the front if you want prayer or just to give that situation to the Lord. But in that prayer, what this word tells us is that it's not enough just to give it to the Lord. We also need to be willing to allow Him to change our heart. Maybe you're crying out tonight because you feel like you want a better job. God, give me a better job. And the Lord says, I will and I can because everything is possible. But before I do that, can I do something else? Can I teach you how to trust me in the job that you are already in? And you cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I need more. But can he teach you how to be faithful in little so that when you get more, you'll be able to sustain it? Before he solves your situation, will you trust him to do what you really need, which is to help you fix your heart? He can. All things are possible. He can change your situation. And I believe tonight that there are some people's situations that are going to change as you bring it to the Lord. That is the easiest part of that. That's all God. He can snap his fingers and he can bring you out. There's some people that are struggling financially. There's some people that are struggling relationally. They are struggling in jobs or needing to find jobs. I know there's people like that here tonight. You need to bring that situation to Jesus. Only he can help you. And he wants to help you. But only you can allow the Lord to change your heart. And so I want to pray a prayer. And we're just going to play one or two songs, just have a time in worship. And the response is really yours. If the Lord has touched on your heart and you feel like there's a situation you want to give Him, you can give it to Him. If in this time you feel like you want to have some prayer or come to the front, there'll be some leaders to pray with you. But really, the, the call is to give your situation to the Lord but allow him to change your heart. And so if you agree with that prayer, you can just pray along with me. Lord, we want to learn from this hero dad that brought his son. Such a difficult situation, Lord. And we know we have situations and we want to bring them to you, Lord. But we want to come with humble and willing hearts, willing to change. If there's something that you want to change in our hearts, we come with that tonight as well. We come desperate desperate for your help, desperate for your healing. I feel there's some people tonight that need healing, physical healing. You can come tonight as well because it's just as easy for him to help you. But we come with, that des with desperate hearts that are willing to change, Lord. If you want to speak to us, if you want us to do something, if you want us to forgive someone, if you want us to humble ourselves, to let go of something, we're willing to do that as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just, going to, we're just going to spend a few minutes, about five or six minutes just of this service. We've still got a lot of time. I'd encourage you not to go too early to respond to the Lord. If He's spoken some things over your life or you're trusting for something, that you would come and give that to Him. You don't have to come to the front. This is between you and the Lord. But if you feel like you're stuck or you want to respond in that way, some people will pray with you as well. And we'll release the service in a few minutes. Amen.